this morning and for this time together. Father, and I thank you who you are, that you're sovereign, Lord, and I thank you, Father, that um, you are all things to all people, Father, and I just give this time to you, Father, as we come together, Father, and just pray that you would be honored and lifted up above all things, Father, and that you would get the glory, in Jesus' name, amen.
we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are God and God alone. Father, there's none like you. You're slow to anger. Your love endures forever. Father, your word declares that you first loved us. Father, your will is that none shall perish. I pray, O oh God, that our hearts will be attentive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. God, that you would give us a, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. God, that we, Lord, would live unto Christ and the Father we would bear witness God of transformed lives through Christ and Christ alone that we would be your ambassadors that we would go forth and be the light in this darkened generation God that we wouldn't settle for the filth of this world God, that we would desire holiness. I pray, God, as we open your word today, God, that we would be attentive as we hear your word. Thank you, Father, that as your word goes forth, it does not return void. I pray for the hearts of the hearers today. God, our hearts would be of good soil. To receive, Father, that it'll take root and produce lasting fruit into our lives. That God, that we would lay down our lives, that we would trust in Christ and in Christ alone to finish the work in which He has begun in us. We know that you are faithful, Lord, to do just that. So bless our time, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Psalm 34, verse 14, our scripture for the year. Turn away from evil and do good. Pursue peace and work hard to maintain it. Turn from evil and to do good work for peace, to search for peace, and to work hard to maintain it. Next Sunday, we're going to get back into our study, walking through the Bible. But today, I kind of want to bring us back to this understanding of this scripture and open up some more scriptures before us. That we would hear and be encouraged this day that God is for us and not against us. Yet though we are living in darkened times, Yet though we are living in a generation that is so consumed with self, it's all about me, myself, and I. We live in a generation of, of increased rebellion towards authority. We're living in a generation where the days are growing, growing darker and darker and even more evil. But yet as the church, as the body of Christ, we are purposed for this generation. 
and the generations to come, as the church always has been. God knew what he was doing. <laughs> That's why Jesus told his disciples, I have to go away so that he can come, the Holy Spirit. And he will lead you. He would be your comforter, your guide, your teacher. He would convict of, 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 of unrighteousness in our lives. So many times we turn from the conviction in our lives. And yet we ought not to turn from the conviction. We ought to be drawn to God through the Holy Spirit from the conviction. When we know that we're doing wrong, that we know that we're doing evil, we're called to turn from evil and to do good. But we recognize in and of our own selves we would not do good. The Bible says that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. The flesh produces that which is evil. Evil thoughts, evil actions. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering. This is the fruit that is being developed in our lives. Lives that are turning from evil and doing good. Telling the world, I'm not going your way any longer. Telling your flesh, you're not in control of me any longer. Like I've seen my need for the Savior, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God knows our nature in which we were born in. When we were born, we were born in a nature that is a complete rebellion towards God. In and of your flesh, you would not desire God. But in the Spirit, being born again of the Spirit, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and being born again of a new nature, this new nature that now desires the things of God to do right. Not in your own strength, but in His. That's why I always remind us this Christian life is a life that is dependent upon what God has begun in us. Not what we have begun. You can, you can be all religious as you want to be and follow all the rules and work so hard to do good, but in the end, there would be no difference because your nature hasn't been reborn. People have lived and tried to, to be religious forever. Man has always tried this to reach God. But that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is God reaching down to man. Mankind who is a complete rebellion towards his throne and says, I love you. And in my love for you, I'm going to make a way for you to be brought back to me, to be reconciled to me. And the only way that will take place is my son will come and lay his life down for you. Jesus. Willingly laying his life down. Knowing that you're in complete rebellion towards him. Knowing that you, apart from him, are an enemy to him and to his throne. And yet he willingly laid his life down. His body was ripped to pieces. He was mauled. He was nailed to a cross. Hell thought it won. But three days later, Jesus rose again. Defeated sin and death. 
defeated sin and death by the power of his resurrection. He came and he completed what God had purposed. All along as we're walking through the Bible and we're getting to know God even at a deeper level and we're seeing his love and his compassion and his zeal to have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. And he accomplished it through Christ, through Jesus, the Savior of the world, the one who came and defeated sin and death, the one who stripped hell of its powers. The enemy, the devil, has no power over a Christian. No power. He's been defeated. The only power the enemy has over your life is what you submit to him. Because you turn from God and you turn back to your old ways. Don't go back. Don't get enslaved in bondage again. Keep growing. Keep maturing. We all do wrong. It's not about living a perfect life. But it is about living a life that you're growing and you're maturing. That's what I constantly keep reminding us of. Like we're going to have bad days. There's going to be times we have bad attitudes. There's going to be times when you're tempted to do evil. But you must remember that you're no longer of that nature. The Bible encourages us that we've nailed that old man. We've nailed that old woman to the cross. That old nature is there. It's dead to the things of this world. It's made alive in Christ. And now we're learning how to live as Christians. See, as a Christian, you look different than the world. But I'm not sure why the church thinks that she can look like the world and still claim Christ. Because you won't find that in the Bible. You won't find that in the Bible. There's a lot of deception. That's why we're warned all through the New Testament. Be careful of the teachings that you're listening to that gives you the right to yourself, that gives you the right to continue to sin and let sin be what marks you. We're told time and time and time again that if you're living that life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. No matter who promised you, you would. <laughs> because that's not what God has planned. That is not what God has purposed. There's work to be done. We're to be about our Father's business as Christians. Like when you're born again and you have a new nature, you don't desire the filth of this world. When temptation comes as it will, you rest assured what Scripture says that God has made a way out of temptation. But if you give in to temptation, sin is birth. And once sin is birth, death. Death comes. See, sin is no longer to be our master. We're to be slaves of righteousness, right living. Again, not in our own strength, but in the power of God. God, I can't, but you can. God, I don't want to be a religious man that just tries to be good. No, God, I want to be a saved man, a reborn man of a new nature that just longs, God, for you to finish the work you've begun in me. So I must be dependent upon you day in and day out, moment by moment. And I've shared with you all the seasons that I've been laid up in bed because I'm sick, the season of the unknown, rather, whatever I'm facing, whatever the results are, they always bring me back to a deeper level 
a relationship with Christ. Like when I lay in bed and I think of his goodness. When I, when I laid yet last Sunday for five hours and I just studied through the book of Psalms and I saw how great our God is and his love for us and how we are to lavish our love back on him. I go, oh God, are we getting it? Am I getting it? Like God, do we truly see you for who you are? Do we truly see the day and time in which we're living where things are so chaotic, but God, you called us to be here on this earth, to be your people, to be your hands, to be your feet, to serve, to love. When everything is stripping and pushing you out of our culture, God, you're calling us to go in and to lift up your name, to lift up the name of Jesus, to live differently, to talk differently, to act differently, so that the lost will know that there's hope. That there's hope in Christ and in Christ alone. So go to Romans 12. I would challenge you, if you haven't read through the book of Psalms, go read through the book of Psalms. Go listen and, 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 and hear the writers as they're pouring out their heart to God. They faced all types of, of circumstances, and yet they kept looking towards God. And that's kind of what I want to challenge us today, is look towards God. Are you looking towards God? We're called to set our eyes on Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. We can't keep playing the games we're playing. We can't keep being in these weird relationships that we're in. We can't keep having hidden sin in our hearts and in our lives. We can't just be one way saying, I'm desiring God, and then leave and then go and just be a desiring everything else but Him. And living a life that doesn't even honor Him. And yet somehow think that you're a part of him. That's not how we're called to live. People look at the church and they think the church is weak. And it ought not to be. People should look at Christians and say, I may not agree with you, but there's something different about you. And what marks us as different is Jesus. We're to be an example to others how Jesus lived. We're to humble ourselves. We're to serve. We're to love others. We're to uphold truth. We're to hold Christians accountable to truth. And we're to preach the truth to the lost. Encourage them to come to Jesus. But how are they going to come to Jesus if they see no difference in your life? If you're no different than them, they won't have a desire to come. Look at what it says here, Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How does God change us? 
by changing the way we think. By allowing the Holy Spirit, when we are reborn and when we accept Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. He comes in and he begins to bring conviction into our hearts and to our lives. Don't think that way, Rob. Don't go that way, Rob. How does he transform us? By changing the way we think. I used to think this way, but I'm not thinking that way anymore because it goes against what God has stated. And God's ways are good. And we have, do you believe that, though? Like, when you go and you make a decision tomorrow, or when you go and you get up from here today, and you go to make a decision, are you truly believing that God is good? Yeah. And you know if you are, by the way you play out that choice before you. I either can go my way, or I can go his way. And I've said over and over, it's so crazy that doing right is the hardest thing to do. Doing wrong is easy. You can go the way everyone else is going to fit in. But take a stand and say, no, I'm not going to talk that way any longer. No, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. No, I'm not going to touch that anymore. No, I don't want to look upon that anymore. And people will think that you're strange. And you will fight in your, within yourself. It's not going to hurt. No, but it will hurt you. God's ways are good. And he's given us what we need to live a godly life. Amen. So we as a church have got to stop making excuses of why we keep allowing sin to master us. Listen, we all have a sad story. <laughs> you know, we all have had things happen to us. We've all had issues inside of us. But our lives are not to be about our sad stories. Our lives are to represent His story. Amen. His fullness of love, of hope, of freedom, of joy, of peace. To live lives on this earth. Because listen, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed the next moment. And so we're not living our lives based on our desires inside or the little temporalness of this world. No, we're living lives based on the eternal perspective that this world is not our home. So I'm not growing and living and getting comfortable in this world. Because I know at any moment things could shake. At any moment a flood could come. At any moment anything could happen that will alter and change the course of our lives here on this earth. So if we're just consumed by the earthly things, then what hope do we have? Oh, but when you are consumed by the things of God, when you have a desire to live for Him, to honor Him for what He has done, you can't make yourself good. We are right with God only because of Jesus. Only because of His blood. And if you accept that free gift, then he's giving you what you need to make the right choice. And he changes our lives by changing the way we think. Turning from evil and doing good. It ought not to be hard to choose to do what is right. But now that you know that it is, keep persevering. Keep making the right choices. Keep taking the right steps forward. Keep making the right decisions. And soon, it'll become your new nature. It won't be as hard. 
because you're learning to die to yourself. It's no longer I that I'm living, but it's Christ living in and through me. They can't just be words. Isn't it horrible that there would be people who will die and go to hell and know every form of scripture? Thinking that they're in a relationship with God and they're not. You can have a knowledge of truth and yet not know truth. And how crazy is that? That there are people sitting in churches for years and they don't know Jesus. They're not in relationship with Jesus. And yet somehow they've been lulled asleep thinking that they are saved. In reality, they're not. Don't believe me? Read the letters to the churches. Don't you think that if God designed and planned to capture these letters in the Bible to the churches that they're of importance. Not just to be a hearer of them, but to be a doer of them. The church is constantly warned, be on guard, be alert. Your enemy is seeking to devour you. But abide in Christ, remain in Christ. Endure suffering. Go through challenging seasons in your life. Let Christ's character be built up in you. Honor God. Live for God. Trust in God. Hope in God. That's the call of a Christian life. And if you stumble, get up. If you sin, repent. Stop playing the games. Be real, be transparent before God and before man. Because in the end, when you take your last breath, you're standing before him. And you have to answer to God. And either you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, or he'll say, depart from me, I do not know you. But God, didn't I go to church? God, didn't I do this? And God, didn't I do that? And he says, I don't know you. I don't know you. And I've encouraged you over the past couple of months. You will either be an object of his wrath or you will be an object of his love. And you being an object of his wrath is your doing, not his doing. People always say, well, how can a loving God send people to hell? Oh, no. A loving God doesn't send people to hell. A loving God gives you the option of what you've chosen to do. If you choose to live for yourself, he loves you enough to turn you over to what you want. If that's what you love the most, Rob, then here. <laughs> it's your choice. But to be an object of his love, it's his doing. Because he sent Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that he's storing up his wrath. There's going to come a day when the eastern sky is going to part. And Jesus is going to return. And he's not coming back as a little baby. No, he's coming back as a conquering king. And he's gathering up those who belong to him. And the church ought to say, amen. The church ought to look forward to that day. The church is not to grow weary in this generation. No, the church should see the times in which she is placed and she should be eagerly working, advancing God's kingdom 
being about our father's business so that others will accept him as Lord and Savior. And yet we're so consumed with everything else. Don't believe that? Think of your life. What's consumed you this week? Do you have a desire for the lost? When have you shared your faith this week? When have you told others about Jesus? When have you gotten down on your knees and cried out to God to save a lost family member? When's the last time that you were so broken for the lost? When's the last time that you remembered how lost you were before Christ? See, what is consuming us is how we'll live. I tell people all the time, you want to know your relationship with God? Look at your actions. You don't need anyone else to tell you about your walk with God. You yourself know. Look in the mirror. How are you living? You want to know how close you are to God? Listen to your words. Because what you speak is what's in your heart. See, it's not a, it's not a, a, a charade game. No, this is reality. This is how we are to be living. This is the hope that we have in Christ. He spilled out every ounce of blood within his body so that you would be free. Free. No longer a slave to sin, but free people. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It all comes down to the mind. As a man thinks, the Bible says, so he goes. As you think, so you are. And it's time that we awaken, you all. It's time that we awaken to the truth and the reality of who Jesus is. I laid there in that bed last Sunday. And as I was Studying through the Psalms, I was like, oh God. See, when you look towards God, he becomes so much greater and you become so much smaller. I laid in the bed just repenting. God, being just cleanse me, God. My God, awaken me afresh and anew to remind, remind me of how great you are. I know the life and the man that I was before you and how I lived. And oh God, you saved me for no reason that you love me. And just as he did for me, so he does for you. The reason why he desires to have you as his own is because of his love for you. And that's why we're called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our body, and with all of our strength, with our very being. Even Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't obey what I've asked? Why do you call me and say that you belong to me and you don't do what I ask you to do? We're not to remain in rebellion. Remember, rebellion comes easy to us because it was the nature that we were born in. Think of it this way. When a baby is born, if you don't feed it, what happens? It'll die. Same as it is when you were born again of a new nature. 
If you don't feed the new nature, it'll die. Just because you said a little prayer, you may show up for church, doesn't mean you're saved or right with God. You're only right with God through Jesus Christ and a personal relationship with Jesus. Go to Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to kind of remain in Philippians for the rest of our time together. But chapter 1, verse 3 through 11 is where I'm starting. And Paul writes this letter to the church. And Paul's in prison. This man of God, whose life was changed. He was a murderer. He was a very religious man. Very well taught. He was a great Pharisee. He hated Christians. He hated everything about Jesus. And yet God changes his life. Jesus changes his life. And now Paul is serving Jesus. And he's loving Jesus. And he desires that all men and women would love Jesus and live for Jesus. And God uses him mightily to encourage churches. And so now we open up this letter and look at, listen to what he says here. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for you. I'm sorry, for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Jesus from the time you first heard it until now. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. You have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long to be with you, the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Amen. Listen to what he's telling the church. Listen to what he's saying here. I am certain that God who began the work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished. He's encouraging them to continue to share in the joy of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that, look, look at this, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. 
which is the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. Not by you. Not by you trying to do good works and be good. No, only through Jesus. Only through Jesus. Trusting in Jesus. God, you are for me and not against me. God, you've begun this work in me. In and of myself, I can't complete it. So I have to depend upon you. God, I long to do what is right, to turn from evil and to do good. That God, you would transform me by changing the way I think. That God, that you would draw me into your presence. And as I get to know you more and more, as, I, as I'm learning to love you more and more, I'm learning even more to abide in you, to remain in you. To seek you and know that if I seek you with my whole heart, I'm going to find you. And in your presence, I know that there is freedom. Because the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I don't have to be a slave to my sin, to my, to my bad nature, to my old man. No, but now I'm a slave to righteousness. I long to do what is right. And even when I long to do what is right and I do wrong, God, who would free me from this battle within? Even Paul mentions that in Scripture. He says, when I want to do right, I do wrong. But then he questions, who would deliver me from this? The Holy Spirit. Living a Spirit-filled life. A life that gets up each morning and says, Lord, have your way. Holy Spirit, be quick to convict. I don't want to keep going my way. If throughout this day I go my way, then God intervene. Do whatever is needed to turn me back on the path of life. Remember, there's two paths set before you. A path of life or a path of death. And the road to death is wide. Many people are on that path because they're choosing to live for themselves. They're choosing to go their way. But the Bible says that the road to life, the narrow way, the road to Christ is narrow. And not many people will choose to go this way because they're so consumed with the here and now, with this present reality and their desires from within. But Paul is reminding them that your love overflow more and more, that you will keep growing in knowledge and understanding of the things of God. Go to verse 20. I'm going to read verse 20 through 30. Paul continues here. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ. As I have been in the past, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living for Christ, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I could do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I am torn between two desires. I long to go and to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. I said, wow. For me, to live, for, for me, Paul says, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Because 
he knows as a believer that if I die, then I'm with Christ. But if I die and I go and I be with Christ, his desire for all to know Christ, he goes on here, so I'm torn. He says, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. For your sakes, it's better that I just continue to live, that I continue to go through the persecution and the suffering that he's enduring so that he can be an example to other people. That they will be drawn to Christ because of his life. And so the question before us today, who is being drawn to Christ because of your life? Are they seeing Christ in you? Because they ought to be. They ought to be. And I told y'all a couple weeks ago, the issue with my health and the things that I'm going through, that doesn't plague me and, and discourage me or, or bring me down all for me. But what does affect me when I think of my health and I think of how many more days I may have left on this earth is God am I being you resourceful each and every day spreading the good news of Christ. Am I doing it? Am I taking advantage of every opportunity that I have each day that there's breath in my body to tell others about Jesus? Because I don't know. You don't know how long you have left. I don't want to get so consumed and lost in, in results and medical issues and health and everything else and miss out on sharing Jesus. <laughs> I'm sharing Jesus. So when I was reminded of that scripture, I'm like, oh God. Paul sees that death. Father God, I'll be with you. And who wouldn't want that? But then he's reminded of the work that is to be done on this earth. For others to know Christ. So it is better, he says, that I live. Not for my sake, but for your sake. His life is impacting. People are coming to Christ. And so I would challenge us. Who's coming to Christ because of your life? And you say, well, that's a heavy burden for me to carry. <laughs> it's not heavy. Because the work of Christ, the work of the Lord... What he calls us to, his burden is light. It's easy. <laughs> the reason why it, it, you may, it may feel as a burden is because you're looking at yourself. And you're seeing all what you're lacking and this and, and that. But you take your eyes off of yourself. You already considered yourself of what you are. In and of yourself, you're in rebellion towards God. There's nothing good in you. You're not going to make right decisions and right choices. You're just going to be so self-consumed and so destructive. No matter how good you may look on the outside. <laughs> but in Christ, because of his redemptive work, because of being born again of a new nature, you can now choose to live a full life. You can choose to do good. You can choose to continue to pursue righteousness. My God, my life for the gospel. Like I lay it down.
so that you would be made known. Because our eyes have been opened. This world is not our home. He goes on here. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help you all grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because what he is doing through me. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself and manner worthy of the good news about Christ. That's how you ought to be living. If you're a Christian, if you're not, then so be it. Do whatever you want. But if you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a Christian, then you are to live as a citizen of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Did you hear that scripture? You've not only been given the privilege of trusting in Christ, of being saved, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Other people who are lost are not going to agree with the way that you're living your life for God. And you will suffer because of it. Christians throughout the earth are suffering because of their faith in Jesus. And they ought to consider it a privilege to do so. And a lot of the Christians who are suffering for their faith in Jesus, they're not asking God to to, to take them out of it. No, they're asking God to give them strength to endure it. And we as the Western church have to wake up to the reality of what it is to truly to be a Christian. That we not only have the privilege of trusting in Christ, but we also have the privilege of suffering for him. We are in the struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 18 Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. He's encouraging the church to live as the church. To have one mind and one purpose. And I've been thinking about churches lately. Our little church, churches at large. Even Paul writes to one church. He says, I can't be grateful that you all are meeting because you're so divided. There's nothing good that comes from it. Last time we were together, there was just a few of us here. And I led us through a time of prayer and of repentance. 
Like even this small fellowship, are you all united first with Christ and then for the cause of our fellowship? For one another? To serve, to love each other? So that those who, who, who see us know that we belong to him by our love for one another? And if not, then what are you doing? Why do you come? Why show up? This isn't easy getting up every Sunday and going through the week praying for us and preparing and hoping that God, you know, moves among us. It would be easy just to close the doors. Like if we're just going to show up, that's because this is what we do on Sundays, that don't come. Like you should be here because you have a desire, first and foremost, for Christ. And then secondly, that you have a group of people that you have one mind and one purpose, unified together to accomplish what God has called us to do. To accomplish what God has called us to do. That we gather together to encourage each other, to edify each other, to build each other up, so that when we are out from here, when you're at your jobs, when you're at your homes, when you're in the stores, when you're on the streets, you're bearing witness to others, that you are a Christian. That you belong to Christ, to his kingdom. That you're living honorable lives. But you know what's wrong with churches? Our church and churches at large is people are just showing up and they're not living the rest of the week. They're not living, no matter if you're a small church or a big church. And you say, well, I don't believe that. Look at the culture. Look at the culture. And then look at churches. The majority of them, you can't tell the difference. The same sin and the same junk that's going on out in the culture is happening in the church and it's being celebrated. We've allowed sin to creep in. Even in this little small fellowship, hidden sin, bad attitudes, brokenness, just cutting up everybody. Acting a fool and acting a mess. And then showing up Sunday, oh, okay, it's just a Sunday. <laughs> and neglecting, doing your part to contribute to our times together. Like each of you should be contributing. If I say to you, how many of you prayed for me this morning? That God give our pastor the words to minister today. God, I'm coming and I'm expecting. The reality is probably maybe one or two. And how sad. How many of you prayed? I said, God, when I walk through that door this morning, God, I just want to be able to serve. If I see a need, I just want to meet it. God, help me to be attentive today on how I can serve my family, my church. Because if we can't do it amongst ourselves here, 
then you're sure not doing it out there. Because everything starts within the home. Everything starts within the home. Just think about families, the dynamics of families. How a home is structured, how discipline is, is assigned, and love is expressed. How a home is structured is how the family will live. And why do you think the enemy wants nothing more than to tear apart families? Why do you think your own very nature wants nothing more than to tear apart families? To think of yourself better than you think of your spouse. Or to pin your kids up against each other. Or to degrade your kids with your foul mouth. And then you expect them to behave when they're out in public. Or have some, some types of structure in school. How crazy is that? To expect something out of our families when we've created a home of dysfunction. And so it is with the church. This is our family. We're closer than blood. Like we're family. We're engrafted into the body of Christ. We are family. And if we allow dysfunction to rule and to reign... <laughs> then what do we have? Except to function when we go out into public. Laughing at the crude jokes. Being just as foul-mouthed and angry as the rest of them. Filled with lust, looking at pornography, gossiping, backbiting. Oh, but then we want to ask them to come to church. Who wants to come to your family? Who wants to come to your house of dysfunction? Have you ever stepped into a house of dysfunction? You want to be out in five, just a couple of minutes. As soon as the craziness starts, it's like, whew. unless you enjoy the craziness, then you're going to contribute to it. <laughs> and it's not even your house. See, you're either drawn to dysfunction or you're drawn to wholeness, to healing. And that ought to be the place of the church. And Paul is writing to the churches here. Is there any encouragement to belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. See, y'all, let's get rid of the dysfunction. Let us gather. Let us come together and say, God, there's work to be done. God, there's work to, 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 to do each and every single day. Get your house in order. Get your heart right with God. Get before Him and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive us. God, give us the understanding of what it is to live a life that's honoring you. Like to be bold, to be a witness unto others. To know, yes, not everyone wants to hear about Jesus. Not everybody wants to hear about your life in Christ. And that's fine. They have a right to live however they want. 
but there will be those that your life will impact. So take the time and serve them and love them. Show them the ways of Christ and how the Holy Spirit to guide and to lead them unto salvation. You can't save anyone. But all you can do is point them to Jesus. I told you all that months ago. All we have is Jesus. That's all we have. That's all we have. There's nothing else we have. There's nothing else I have for you. Just Jesus. When I've counseled you all, that's all I said. I've just got Jesus. I got the principles of, of Jesus to live by. <laughs> and then you have to trust the Holy Spirit to work it within you by changing the way you think, which will then change your conduct. But we ought to be of one mind and one purpose. When you show up, show up, be attentive. Be ready to serve others who may come through the door. Be ready to not think of yourself, but to think others are better than you. That's what the Bible calls us to do. He goes on here. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position as of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is Jesus, you all. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is sitting on the throne in heaven. He's being attentive to interceding for us. He's done all that he's going to do. And now we wait for his return. Now we wait. But in our waiting... We are to represent him. So if he humbled himself and saw the needs of others, that's how we ought to be living. Humble yourself. Get over yourself. And serve others with a genuine heart. Without grumbling, without complaining. Like serve. Love, pray, let what you receive from him be what you freely give. Let the love of Christ be the love that is reflected to others. Let his grace 
that has been extended to you that you extend to others. And you think of others better than yourself. And you say, God, not my will, but your will. He goes on here in verse 12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with the deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. This is important. Don't miss out on that scripture. Who is giving you the desire? God. Remember, in and of yourself, you will not desire God. In and of yourself, you will not look towards Jesus. It is God who begins this in you. It is God that gives you the desire to know Him even more, to draw you even closer to Him. It has nothing to do with your old nature. Your old nature is in rebellion to God. That's why I tell people all the time, don't be surprised when Christians fail. Or when Christians seem to go back and go back to their old way of living. That's all they know. And there's no difference than you. As soon as you take your eyes off of Christ, as soon as you stop what he has begun, and you say, well, how can I stop what he has begun? Because you choose to do evil. Doesn't mean he stops loving you. Oh, he loves you. He will continue to pursue you, to awaken you to truth, to turn back to him. That's the hope that we have. But if you're not living as a Christian, then all you know how to do is live as the loss out of your old nature that you were born into. You'll create gods in your own image, (laughs) but you won't be worshiping the true God. So we must. Have a deep reverence and fear of God. For we recognize it is God working in you and giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud and I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share this joy. Yes, you should rejoice and share and I will share your joy. There is a way in which we ought to be living. Clean lives. As children of God. See, that is your identity now. See, you're not working to to be right with God. No, you're already right with God through Christ. You're not working for your freedom. No, you're already freed in Christ. You're not working to to get this or to get that. No, you already have all that you need in Christ. But it's all about how you think and see. From which place 
are you praying? <laughs> From which place are you living? What is your identity in Christ? You ought to be growing in this identity. I am a Christian. I am in Christ. And in Christ, I have all that I need. I am not lacking. God, you are for me and not against me. My God, you are my provider. You are my comforter. You are my shield. You are my rear guard. You go before me. You encamp yourself about me. God, you all. Like, I don't have to beg and plead for God to move. To move. No, I just already know as a Christian that God is faithful to me. Not because of me, but because of Him. He is faithful to His Word. And what He has established, it will be brought about. Like, this is the hope, this is the joy, this is the peace that we ought to have as Christians. This is the identity that you're growing in, that you're maturing in. Like, I'm not settling for the, the scraps on the floor. No, I want to take my place at the table. Death is not mastering us. No, death, where is your sting? You've been defeated. The enemy is not powerful, more powerful than our God. What can he do to me? What can he do to you? Nothing. He can try all that he may to trip us up, to, to knock us down, to do whatever. But if Christ is for us, then who can be against us? We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are more than conquerors. All because of Jesus. Oh, are you talking this way to yourself each day? Because if you're not, then you're remaining ignorant. And if you remain ignorant, you won't mature, you won't grow. You'll go right back to where you were. Because you don't know who he is and who you are in Christ. And that's why Paul is stressing it to the church. There is a way you ought to live. Shine brightly for Jesus. I always say we can walk upright in a crooked and, and, and perverse generation. Get up. Walk upright. Let God be made known to others by how you live. By how you live. Chapter 3, 1 through 23. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. He goes on, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship the Spirit by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. 
We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, I, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have a reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. So what is he saying here? He's saying, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. And he says, I don't get tired of telling you this because it's vital. Because if you live a life in this manner, you will safeguard your faith. And then he goes on and he says, so watch out for people who will come into the church and make it about the works that you do. He was specifically talking about circumcision, but it could be any works. When people creep into church and they want to take away what from what Christ does and says, this is what you must do. You have to follow this day. You've got to worship on this day. You only can eat this. You can't eat that. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to look like this. You can't look like that. And they give you all these lists and rules and all these laws. And Paul says that they're dogs. That they're evil. Because they're trying to add to what Christ did. But he goes on. We are to rely on what Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in the human effort. And then he says in verse 5, I was circumcised when I was 8 years old. I'm a pure-blood citizen of Israel. I'm a member of, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew. If there was, it was ever one, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so je- zealous that I, I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So he's saying, before I came to Christ, I was a good religious man. I knew the law. I kept the law. I, had, I was zealous for God. And yet he still wasn't right with God. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Circle it, underline it. Remember that scripture. You want to grow? You want to mature? Then think like Paul thought. That's how each Christian ought to be living. Forgetting everything else. And only thinking upon Christ. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I'm not seeking to please myself. I'm not going to be prideful in my position and in my belongings. And the knowledge which I think I have. No, I'm going to to consider it all garbage. So that I can pursue Jesus. That I can be one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. I don't count on keeping what man says I have to keep. It's important that we're getting this. 
Because if you're just trying to do good in your own strength to be right with God, you're fooling yourself. You do good as a Christian because of your love for Christ. Because you have a new nature now. And you're longing to please Christ. Let God have your way. Not my life, but yours. God, let me love and serve others. Let Jesus be made known because of how I lived my life. See, salvation produces what is right in your life. You don't have to worry about trying to do right. No, it's just produced in you. Because you start thinking differently. And as you think, so you change. So it's not about trying to keep all the rules, keep all the laws. And that's what religion does. And unfortunately, that's what churches have done throughout the centuries, and churches continue to do. But what's even getting worse in churches is that now they don't even worry about so much the law anymore. Not everything is lawlessness. Live however you want. If you're right with God, it doesn't matter. And so now there's this other extreme. Oh, but let, may we not be on either end of the extremes, but may we be centered in Christ and say, yes, God, all because of you. He goes on here. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the inf infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith, faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Oh, how that should be our desire and our plea. To know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And to suffer with him, sharing in his death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. He goes on and says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. Or that I have already reached perfection. And that's why I keep telling you, it's not about living a perfect life. I mean, this is Paul. The Christians of all Christians. He himself says, I haven't reached perfection. I haven't reached perfection. See, we're not perfected until we are with him. But that does not give us the right and the license to continue to sin. To continue to do what we want. No, listen to what he says here. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed, for, for, for first possessed me. Know, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. That's how we ought to be living. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. 
Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on, on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. It's important. Again, it's not about being perfected, but it is about maturing. It is about growing up in your faith and pressing on. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. But, may, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for his return. I'm sorry, for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he brings everything under his control. So Paul tells the church that there's others sitting in the church who are actually really enemies of the cross. Look at the way they live, he's basically saying. You'll know who the enemies are sitting among you. Look how they're living. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. But he reminds Christians, we're not to live that way. We're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Your identity it's vital. No matter what your age is. If you know Christ, then live for Christ. If you don't know Christ, then I pray that you come to know Him. And that you would surrender your lives to His perfection, to His love, to His salvation. That you would be born again of a new nature. No longer living lives that are evil. No longer living lives that are based only out of sin but now living lives that are based on the wholeness of who Christ is and who you are in Him. See, again, it's all about how you see yourself. If you see yourself lacking, you ought not to be. Because in your lack, in your brokenness, that's how you'll live. But see, as Christians, we are whole. We are made whole in Christ, not lacking anything. So our choices and our desires and our decisions now are based out of the wholeness of Christ. Let's go to Philippians 4, and I'm closing with verses 4 through 9. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Remember knowing your position? Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Remember Psalm 34, verse 14? 
turn from evil, do good, seek for peace and work hard to maintain it, peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Again, as a believer, you need to know your position. You are now in Christ. You are seated in Christ. Everything that he has accomplished belongs to you now because you're in Christ. And so you can live freely in the filth and the junk of this world and not be tainted by it. Not to give in to it. Not to think, oh, this is going to satisfy me now. Oh, this will make me feel better now. If I just look upon this, if I just give my body to this, if I just talk this way, if I just do this way. No, 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 no. That's living like someone who doesn't know Christ. Like when you're in Christ and you know Christ, you, your choices are different. Your mindset is different. No, I'm not going to be tainted by this filth. But I'm not going to think I'm better than them. No, I'm going to humble myself. And I'm going to serve them. And I'm going to love them. Rather they beat me. Rather they mock me. Rather they bully me. No matter what. My eyes are on Jesus. I'm living for Jesus. If this is how he's called me to live, then he's given me what I need to live it out. Because I'm living it out. In Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think upon things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Look how you should be thinking. Listen, don't beat yourself up if, if this isn't your reality. <laughs> Get before God and repent. And repentance is just not saying, I'm sorry. No, repentance is saying, I'm sorry, and changing the behavior. My God, I'm sorry. I see that that action is wicked and evil. I see that I'm only thinking of myself. God, I'm sorry. But God, I know that you can change me. So God, I long to be changed. I don't have to remain condemned. I don't have to hide from you because I've sinned. No, God, I can boldly come before you. I can say, God, I'm sorry. And as we humble ourselves, he restores us. He grants us his peace. He protects us. He comforts us. He's God, you all. And as we get back into our study, and as we're going to open up, 
and we'll get back into Exodus and, and we'll start walking through again. The whole reason why we're studying that way is because I'm praying for us that we will get to know our God. That we would truly see Him for who He is and how we ought to be living. It's an exciting adventure in Christ. This isn't a boring book. The Christian life isn't boring. No, God has called us out. <laughs> and we are on the adventure of a lifetime. There's work to be done. The kingdom of darkness may seem like it's advancing. Oh, but it's not. It's only allowed to do what it is said it can do. Because <laughs> ultimately, God is going to get all the glory. Because it all belongs to Him, you all. So I challenge us today to wake up from our slumber. To get beyond where we've been as individuals and as a small little church. And begin to ask God to use you and to use us to advance his kingdom. Don't settle for anything less, you all. Don't settle for the things that are outside of his kingdom. They're filth. They're rotting away. And that's even relationships. The things in your life that aren't honoring God, you better deal with it. Especially if God has already told you to deal with it. There's things in your heart and there's attitudes and there's sin in your life that's active, that you're actively and willingly participating in. You better stop it. Because you're going to have to answer to God. And what are you going to say when you stand before him? What are you going to say? What excuse are you going to have before a holy God? Like, see, we've got to get a good picture of who he is so that we can remain low and see our need and express our dependence and need for him. Like, God, you've done it. So I want the fullness of what you've done. I want to know you and I want to know my identity now. How am I to live now as a child of God? I am born of a new nature. I've got to learn to walk in it. So continue to grow. Continue to mature. Come expecting. Come and contribute. Be prayerful. Be attentive. Be alert. Go and get your heart and your homes in order. So that when we come together, we're collectively coming together. We have nothing to hide. You've got hidden sin in your life. Get it out in the open. Before God and before others. And be open to be corrected among the brethren. <laughs> be open to be encouraged and to be edifying, to be built up. So that we can accomplish what God has called us to. Get out there and do the will of the Father. Trust Him. Obey Him. And above all, love Him. Amen? I want to close this with this last song.
and then I'll close this in prayer.
Thank you.